Today we'll do the Yemei Chabad, this is the Chabad history, but we're going to the 20th day of Cheshven, Chav Cheshven. On that day is the birthday of the Rebbe Rashab, Reb Sholem Doiv Ber. He's called Rashab, which actually only has the acronym of Reb Sholem Ber, but it's Sholem Dov Ber. Uh, sometimes when you write it, you write Shin Dalet Beis. But he's known as the Rebbe Rashab. He was, of course, the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe. He was the son of the fourth Lubavitcher Rebbe, who was the Rebbe Maharash, Reb Shmuel, who was the son of the Tzemach Tzedek, Reb Menachem Mendel, who was the third Lubavitcher Rebbe. Reb Menachem Mendel was the son-in-law of the middle Rebbe, Reb Duvber, the second Lubavitcher Rebbe, and Duvber was the son of the Alter Rebbe, the first Lubavitcher Rebbe, Shneir Zalman. So in any event, you know, a lot of times we don't realize the birth and the lives of these great tzaddikim and Jewish leaders in the Chabad history is, evolves a lot more than just in the simple a person having a child. But this was a, uh, uh, in the mysterious, in the hidden ways, it was noticed, it notified to them, and there was various different activities. Today we'll learn, actually, about his birth of the Rebbe Rashab, which involves a dream uh, that his mother had. Uh, a dream, and also in the dream they asked what name to give and they also uh, uh, had a good idea when he's going to be born, almost and there was a Sefer Torah written in association with that uh, and all this it was a dream by his mother I mean, it wasn't like a dream of a uh, uh, you know, a Rebbe or something, but his mother dreamt and in her dream she was able to um uh, communicate uh, various different things from great tzaddikim. Um, so, anyways, so the Rebbe Maharash uh, and his wife, the Rebbe Tzun Rivka, that was the uh, parents of the Rebbe Rashab. Um, and it was in the portion of Chai Yisoda. It was on a Monday, the 20th day of Cheshven, in the nine o'clock in the morning in the city of Lubavitch. So he was born in the city of Lubavitch. We already learned yesterday or the day a few days ago that the Rebbe Rashab was the one that left during World War Two, World War One. They actually moved from Lubavitch after for many generations, for several generations, living in the city of Lubavitch. Uh, by World War One, the Rebbe Rashab decided to move and uh, they went to Rostov uh, and they lived there for several, uh, for, for some years um, now this was in the year Tafresh Chof Aleph Tafresh Chof Aleph in the Hebrew would spell Keser Aleph Keser means a crown but to remember it's Shnaz Kisro Shnaz Keser Aleph and uh, um, that's one way to remember the date, the year 20th day of Cheshvan, Chof is Keser, and now it starts the first letter of Chof, but it's Keser Aleph, Keser 1. The Rebbe Rashab is also very well known as sort of uh, one who articulated a lot of of ideas of the Hasidic uh, uh, teachings in a very detailed and elaborate way that should be more comprehensible to the people. There are many uh, lengthy extended Maimorim. Maimorim means the Hasidic discourses which he taught and he, you know, some of the uh, profoundest uh, aspects of the Kabbalah and Hasidus are articulated in a very clear and a very detailed way and it's uh, 
very much studied in the Chabad Yeshivas. They study a lot of the works of the Rebbe Rashab due to his ability to, he's known as the Rambam of Hasidus, sort of like the Maimonides uh, did as far as the Hasidus goes. But in any event, um, this is a tale which the Rebetzin Rivka, Rebetzin Rivka was the wife of the Rebbe Maharash. That's his mother. So the Rebetzin Rivka, the mother of the Rebbe Rashab, relates the following story. That a year earlier on Yud Kislev, now Yud Kislev is also a special day, the tenth day of Kislev, as we'll see, uh, that was the day that the Mitla Rebbe was freed from uh, prison after he was imprisoned, as we've learned uh, earlier during the month of Tishrei, after Yontav he was imprisoned. So on the tenth day of Kislev he was freed. So that's, it's 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 kind of it's celebrated. There's no Tachanun in the Hasidic calendar. So on that day in Yud Kislev, I saw my mother. She says this is Rebbe Tzurifka saying. I saw my mother in my dream. Her mother was the Rebbe Shena. And I also saw my grandfather, uh, the uh, Mitla Rebbe. Uh, the Mitla Rebbe um, was, she saw her mother and her grandfather, the Mitla Rebbe, and she saw them, they were very happy. And my mother says to me, Rivka, you and your husband should write a Sefer Torah. Don't write a Sefer Torah. And my grandfather, this is the Rebetzin Rivka's grandfather, the Mitla Rebbe, he said, he added, he said, you will have a son, a good son, and don't forget my name. Don't forget about my name. Uh, don't forget my name. Now, Shalom Dovber, the Rebbe Rashab was named Shalom and Dovber. The Mitla Rebbe's name was Dovber. But the uh, his uh, his uh, the Rebbe Marash's grandfather from the other side was the Tzemach Tzedek's uh, father. His name, in other words, Tzemach Tzedek's father's name was Shalom Shachna. So he got a combination of the Tzemach Tzedek's father's name, Shalom, from the Tzemach Tzedek's father's name, and then he got Duber from the Mitla Rebbe's name. So, but he told him, don't forget. Now, I'm just trying to think. He says, don't forget about my name. He didn't say name after me. Yeah. So, if he would say name after me, maybe they would have to give just Duber. He didn't say. He says, don't forget implies you can name or name something else and don't forget. I'm just, that's just yeah. my own, my own shtick. I'm not sure if that's any valid. But he well, says... maybe at that point there was no, nobody named after him. No, but... Uh, I kind of doubt it. It must have been because this was, um, he passed away. In, uh, no, I'm sure it was already because Tavku Pechad, it was already like 20 years after his passing. Uh, 19, this was 19 years after the middle of his passing, something like that. So it was already, no, I, I, I'm not sure. I don't think so. But, anyways, my mother added, he says, Rivka, do you hear what my uh, father is saying to you? Which means that she was saying to her, "You hear my father, which is the Mitla Rebbe, which was, uh, which was her father." So he says, "Do you hear what my father is saying to you?" And I woke up. So 
he says, I was sort of uh, troubled by this dream. I was just didn't know what to make of it, but I didn't want to discuss it with my husband, the Rebbe Marash. He didn't want to discuss it. And never told him anything. But he says, after two or three days, my mother-in-law, the that was the uh, wife of the Tzemach Tzedek, uh, uh, that was Chaya Mushka. So she became ill, and I helped her a lot, and then she got better. So after the davening, my father-in-law, her husband, the Tzemach Tzedek, went in to visit, uh, and when he came to visit, she told him that at the nighttime she had a dream. So my father-in-law, the Tzemach Tzedek, said to her, this is the Rebbe Tzedek saying, listen, in the Gemara, he says in the Talmud, it says that a cholam is good for somebody who is sick. If you're sick, you dream, it's good for you. And there are two opinions in the Talmud, whether to believe dreams, or whether dreams mean anything, or dreams don't mean anything. You know, of course, you know, we see the whole Chumash is full with dreams, with Yosef, and with, with uh, Paro, and with, uh, you know, all the time we have a lot of, we have a lot of dreams in the, in the Torah. But, and those are dreams that came true, you know, all the dreams over there. But um, in the Talmud, there's two opinions. One says believe dreams, one says don't believe dreams. But uh, my father-in-law said, if it's good dream, go ahead and do it. So if you have dreamed something positive, I mean, you know, if somebody dreams about something that he doesn't have to do anything about, so it's not an issue. I mean, the issue becomes if you dream about something, you know, let's say you dream to do a Sefer Torah, you do to do something. Do you do it or you don't do it? Or you just say, eh, it doesn't mean anything. Or do you do it? It says a good dream you should fulfill. So, when my father-in-law left, I paid attention. Now he's saying about these dreams. So, I thought, he says that you should fulfill. If you have a good dream, you should fulfill it. So, I once again thought about my dream that I had on the 10th day of Kislev, and I decided to tell it to my husband already. So I was going to share with him what I dreamt about writing the Sefer Torah, but the, it was a busy day, so I didn't get a chance to really to discuss it with him. But on the 19th day of Kislev, I had another dream. And this time, my mother came, again, like last time, my grandfather, the Mittler Rebbe, and there was another elderly person, somebody else, an elderly person. And my mother said to me, Rivka, you and your husband write a Sefer Torah. She told me again. And my grandfather said to me, the Mittler Rebbe, again, like last time, you will have a good son. But this time it doesn't say, don't forget about my name. It doesn't say this this time. It says, you'll have a son. And the elderly new fur person that came said, Amen. Hashem should say so. This is good. So my mother concluded, uh, Zaidi, Saba, meaning that's her Zaidi, uh, uh, bench him. She said to, so she was saying to that elderly fellow, bench him. And my grandfather, the Mittler Rebbe, this was already the Grand Mittler Rebbe's, uh, called him Zaidi, which he didn't know exactly. It was the Mittler Rebbe's father, it was the Alter Rebbe, as we'll see soon. So the uh, elderly man blessed me. My grandfather, the Mittler Rebbe, and my mother, they said, Amen. 
and I also said loudly Amen, and I woke up. And the Rebbe Marash was in the next room, he was already up, but he was still in his room and he says, what did you say, Amen? I just heard you say, <laughs> he heard her say, Amen, in a dream. She said, Amen. So she says she washed her hands, and she said, I had a dream. And I says, I'm going to come, I'll tell you. And she tells her husband the dreams, both of the 10th day of Kislev, and also the dream that she had just now, this night, the past night. So my husband said, the Rebbe Maharaj says, that a good dream... It is, so how come you didn't tell me this? These dreams are very important and my husband wanted that the Sefer Torah that we're going to write should be written on a very special parchment from skins that were shechted and kosher and it was very difficult to find that particular parchment that he wanted to use and uh, it took several weeks to be able to get hold of those kind of parchment. Uh, so now, this is the Rebbe Maharash writing a Sefer Torah. His father, that's her father-in-law, Rebbe Tzarifka's father, the Tzamach Tzedek, instructed my husband that the beginning of the writing of the Sefer Torah should be done quietly. Uh, only his brothers, the Rebbe Maharash and his brothers, uh, should be there. And they should start writing it in the room of his father-in-law, the Tzemach Tzedek. Uh, my husband was pushing the scribe that he should keep on writing the Sefer. And during the Rosh Hashanah, the ten days between Rosh Hashanah and Meshuva, it became publicized that after Yom Kippur, there's going to be a Siyum. They're going to complete the Torah. And many of the guests that came for Yom Kippur uh, stayed for the Siyum. However, after Yom Kippur in the morning, my father-in-law called my husband, Samachsedek called the Rebbe Marash, and he told him, today there's going to be a great meal. And I'm also going to come to the meal and I'm going to give a discourse. But we're not going to complete the Torah today. He didn't give any reason. He says, we're not doing it today. On the second day, uh, on the on, on Monday, on the 13th day of Cheshvan, my father-in-law called my husband. He said, today in the evening, call the scribe to my room, call your mother, which is the Tzemach Tzedek's wife, the Rebbe and we're going to make this see him in a quiet way. We're not going to publicize it. We're going to do it very quietly. I, Rebbe Tzerifkir, relates, I saw the mantle of the Sefer Torah, and when I brought the mantle into the room of my father-in-law, he said to me, Mazel Tov, may Hashem fulfill the words of blessing that my father-in-law, which is the Tzemach Tzedek, the Mittler Rebbe, and my grandfather, the Tzemach Tzedek, have blessed you. And on the 20th day of the month of Cheshvan, uh, I gave birth to my son, Mazel Shon. that's the birth of the Rebbe Rashab. Now, why is this whole story, why was it done quietly and then, you know, we find such a things like, you know, in, in, in general we find that the Luchot, for example, the um, tablets that Moses brought down, uh, so we saw the first time around before the tablets were given, 
there was the big uh, magnificent stand at Mount Sinai in which uh, God made all these great uh, fires and thunderings and lightnings and it was done with a tremendous amount of fanfare and uh, was a very uh, public size and a very public very great event and then we know what happened unfortunately unfortunately what happened to it is that it didn't last that when Moses came down those tablets were broken because the Jews strayed and they made the golden calf now the second time when the tablets came down they were done in a very quiet way that was after Yom Kippur after Moses asked Hashem forgiveness and he was prayed to Hashem and he was on the mountain but when he came down the second time we don't see no big to do there was no big fanfare there was no big it was done quietly so it's brought down that something which is done very public sometimes either there's an evil eye or there's other things that may come in the way so sometimes it's better to do things in a quiet in a very uh, non-public way so perhaps this is also connected to the fact before the birth the mazel tov not to make uh, in such a, a big tumult over there not to make such a big fan of them just keep it quiet maybe that is connected I also remember that um there was the uh, the court case about the books from the Rebbe that were uh, that were um, taken that were taken and it was a whole court case and um, and of course you know eventually the uh, ruling came out in favor of of the Rebbe in favor of Chabad in favor of the books belonged to Chabad but then it was challenged again so the first time they made a whole big uh, to do uh, about it and and then it was challenged again you know it was uh, um, uh, against that judgment uh, and uh, after the second time again it was confirmed that it is right you know after they 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 they, they reheard the case again the, um, and then the Rebbe said it should be done in a quiet way because you know this uh, overall, uh, big fanfare is not is not is not good. So sometimes things have to be done in a quiet way, in a things modest way, in 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 a way of uh, and that they they last sometimes. You know, again, like for spiritual reasons, for higher reasons, for other reasons, things sometimes should be done in a quiet way. So I'm not sure exactly. It doesn't say why the 13th day of Cheshvan was chosen to be the day. Uh, the he was born eight days afterwards. Uh, he was born on the... Maybe it has to do with the day of the birth. Maybe it has to do with eight days. I'm not sure exactly what... But the other thing is we also see in the story that even those dreams didn't just come any time. They came first at Yud Kislev, which was the day of the uh, Mittler Rebbe's celebration. And then they came on Yud Tes Kislev, which is the day of the Alter Rebbe's celebration. If you notice, on Yud Kislev, over there, the Alter Rebbe wasn't there because that had more to do with the Mittler Rebbe. But when we're talking about Yutes Kislev already, in addition to the Mittler Rebbe, it was also the Alter Rebbe, because Yutes Kislev is already the Alter Rebbe's holidays. I'm, I'm just suggesting, I mean, I'm not really a maven in these spiritual levels, but I'm just suggesting that maybe there's a, maybe there's a possible connection between these things. The Yemei Chabad on the 20th day of Cheshven, but this took place in Tofresh Chav This is three years after the Rebbe Rashab was born. So, of course, he was born on the 20th day in the year Tofresh Chav Aleph, Keser Aleph.
and then his upshare, three-year-old, which they cut the year, was done on Chav Cheshun in the year Tafresh Chav Dalad. And it was a, not an ordinary haircutting because, you know, haircutting is the opportunity to take a child and start training him to do a mitzvahs and becoming, that's why we make a big deal. We leave the payas and we start making sure that he washes his hands. And we'll see you in the morning. We may wash his hands. Oh, I mean tonight. You'll be, uh, who's picking you up? Mr. Bogart? Yeah. You're going to pick him up or I'm going to pick him up? For, for Mecha. Okay. All right, you pick him up for Mecha. Okay. So he says that, um, but at that time, we're talking here about Rebbes. Now, Rebbes are not just something that somebody can say, oh, I'm going to work very hard and I'm going to become a Rebbe. A Rebbe is a dynasty, is something which Hashem gives every generation a special privilege for somebody to have a great tzaddik who's going to be the leader of the generation and is going to be the leader of the Hasidim. It's not something you can choose because that's not your job. I mean, you can choose to become very learned, you can choose to uh, do a lot of mitzvahs, you can do a lot of tzedakah, but not everybody can choose to become a king or not everybody can choose to become uh, a rebbe or a leader for that matter. It's, that's up to Hashem. So what happens is with these Rebbes that they sort of gave over that spiritual powers that they had, that spiritual level of greatness that they were endowed with by Hashem. So they gave it over to the next generation. So when the Rebbe Rashab was three years old, at the time of his haircutting and leaving of his payas, the Tzemach Tzedek, that was the third Lubavitcher Rebbe, instructed his son, the Rebbe Maharash, the fourth Lubavitcher Rebbe, to do it in a quiet way. In the evening, before the uh, time, before the 24-hour period when he turned actually three years old, the Tzemach Tzedek instructed to bring the child that he should sleep over with him in his room, that the three-year-old should sleep with him. In the morning, when he got up from his sleep, he instructed the attendant, his name was Reb Chaim Ber, he was the attendant of the Tzemach Tzedek, that he should wash the Negelwasser, the hands of the child, and the Tzemach Tzedek himself said along with this child the morning blessings. And he answered Amen to the blessings of the child. After the prayers, he called in his son, the Rebbe Maharash, and his daughter-in-law, his wife, the Rebbe Tzunarifka, the parents of the child, and he said to them as follows. He says, that jug of oil. In the olden days, a king was anointed by passing down, it was done through Meshicha, by physically anointing, putting some oil on the head. That was done, that was a means of anointing somebody and giving him the level of leadership of a king. But the Tzemach Tzedek says that that spiritual jug of oil, which the Baal Shem Tov had given to his student, the Magid of Mizrich, who was the one that anointed the Alter Rebbe, Rav Shneir Zama, the first Chabad Rebbe. So the Baal Shem Tov gave a spiritual jug of oil to the Magid of Mizrich so he can anoint and have the Alter Rebbe become the leader, the Rebbe of Chabad. 
And that was the jug of oil which was used to anoint the Rebbe's of Chabad for the generations that follow. Same jug. That same jug. So with that power that Samach Tzedek says, so basically that he received, I am now, no, with that power, my father-in-law, that is the Mittler Rebbe, the son of the Alter Rebbe was anointed, and I, with that power, have anointed you. That's why the Rebbe Marash, even though he was the youngest son, but he was the one that was anointed from the Tzemach Tzedek to follow him and be the next Rebbe, to be the fourth Lubavitcher Rebbe. And with that power, I am also anointing the, uh, the, uh, that, that, the, uh, the youngster over there. That was, so you see that the Tzemach, it was the Tzemach Tzedek, the Rebbe Marash's father, who passed along the jug that spiritual leadership jug of oil that anoints to his grandson, the Rebbe Marash, specifically. That's why the Rebbe Marash was the Lubavitcher Rebbe that followed. And during that day, when they brought him into Cheder, it's a tradition that at the day of three years old, they bring him into the Cheder. Cheder means a room, but it also represents the room where the teacher, the Malamed, the class, teaches the, the students. So his grandfather threw candies, the Tzemach Tzedek threw candies, and he said that the angel Michael, the Malach Michael, is the one that is throwing them. Who's throwing? He sort of, the angel Michael is throwing those candies. And the child took it very, very seriously. And he didn't want to eat. He treasured the candy that the Malach Michael threw. He treasured it. And um, up till Pesach, before Pesach, these candies were chametz, they weren't kosher le Pesach. So an era of Pesach, in which they check all the pockets and making sure that there's nothing left from chametz in the pockets. So uh, the Tzemach Tzedek called his grandson and he asked him, what did he do with the candies that he threw? So he was forced to eat them then. <laughs> yeah, so at that point, he ate them. I guess eating candies of the Malach Michal is a pretty, uh, pretty uh, nurturing, and uh, even notwithstanding the sugar, it's, it's probably pretty, uh, pretty uh, has a lot of vitamins and has a lot of good spiritual strength in it.